Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we talk about popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm spending every day drifting further away from Manx Light. I'm in a Alex. And I'm still here, tan- tan- tanning in the Manx shine. <laughs> just, just soaking up all of his great warmth and film credits such as Citizen Kane and the other ones. He did. <laughs> um, <laughs> like Shrek the Third? Yeah, like Shrek the Third. <laughs> All of this was based on, much like the film Mank, it is based on a script written by someone who's passed away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was adapted from... Not, yeah. not Shrek or Shrek 2. They, specifically Shrek the Third. Specifically they Shrek the had third. to go... Yeah, Mank uh, foresaw, he had a dream of two Shrek films, and he was like, I must, I must complete the trifecta, I must complete the tale. So he left a Mankey script for us to find. And then uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg found it and gave us this gift, this present to us. Here come the sequels. We're talking about Shrek 3, and none of us are crazy about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, if you thought last week's episode went off the rails, this one will probably be fine. Anyways... Shrek the Third, directed by Chris Miller from 2007, the year of third movies and franchises. It has a 42% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 52% audience score. We should specifically say the year of bad third movies. Like the Bourne Ultimatum. Now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all we're ever going to say about the Bourne Ultimatum. <laughs> Never going to do that series. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I watched this movie a few days. I watched this movie four days ago, so it'll be interesting to see what I do and don't remember. That said, mm-hmm. shall I go first? Yeah. <laughs> For best and worst? Yeah, Britain, um, what did you think hurt. of Shrek the Green Knight? Oh, don't. Oh, my God. Is that a better or worse title? Hmm. I, I am now thinking about Dev Patel with a big axe swinging at Shrek. <laughs> Which would be pretty make a pretty cool movie, as I imagine that one will make. I hope. Uh, so my best thing about this movie is very very brief, and it is a single vo- vocal cameo uh, by one of the bartenders at the Poison Apple, not the one voiced by Larry King who joins our adventurers. No, no, no. It's the first one they meet, voiced by our friend Regis Philbin. I was so happy that Regis has come back to us through the past um, to voice a character in Shrek 3. Um, and I, I don't remember. And I, there were a couple other jokes I thought were kind of funny. Um, <laughs> my, the movie overall to me felt, not to, you know, go ahead and do a summation on it, but it, this whole movie felt very perfunctory to me. And it felt, the, the, the I, I don't like to lean into this criticism of movies, but the capitalism element was so hard to ignore in this. It really felt like people went, oh, they made money. We got to make another one. Yeah, go. What do you do it? All right, make that. And it just felt so... I I, I don't want to go too far with saying it's perfunctory because I do believe that the people who worked on this made an effort. Like, I think the cast is definitely trying and, and really leaning in. And I do believe that the writers and certainly the animators, like, mm-hmm. really put in a lot of effort. So I I, I'm, I don't think that this is a a product of of creative apathy. So much is just like, I don't know, we're just supposed to make another one? <laughs> like, it doesn't have the kind of verve that the first two had. Um, so my worst thing is just that the, um, so much of the comedy just feels so 
bland and kind of I read Roger Ebert's review of it, and he quite liked the the first two, and and he didn't like this one very much. And he was saying that and I, I think he has a point here that a lot of the comedy feels like they're trusting that the stuff is funny rather than trying to come up with something funny with it. To me, the best example of that is when Donkey and Puss switch bodies. Like I don't mm-hmm. know why they do that. It's supposed to be kind of silly, but then it's the rest of the movie that they have switched bodies, and. If it was just like a one-off gag and then they're back to normal, it's like, oh, okay, whatever. But it's the rest of the movie, and it felt like this weird... And I'm not saying that this would have been hysterical, but like a lot of movies would then go, okay, we'll have a scene where like Puss in Donkey's body has to go like babysit his kids or talk to Dragon and try to convince them convince them that he is the real Donkey or something. Or that Eddie Murphy would have to do an Antonio Banderas impression or something you would think that they would do something with that. And I appreciate when movies don't go for the obvious joke. This doesn't really seem to go for much more than we did it. We did the premise. Get it. That said, the, the one exception to that is they do have donkey or puss in donkey's body. Try to do the like pitiful big eye cute mm-hmm. face. And that was like, all right, that's kind of a funny that that's what I'm talking about. Like that's, that is a, how does, how do we take these characters and swap them? And I think that kind of works. Um, at least it shows that they were thinking in that direction and they didn't really do it otherwise. So I just, yeah, the the comedy just felt very kind of uh, bland and a little lazy to me throughout the movie. Um, I do think I was the closest to liking it of the three of us, um, but I still wasn't like, you know, I didn't like it as much as I liked the first two. And we know that neither of those movies did like really lit my fire or anything. So who's next? Uh, I'll go. I can. I can. Oh, okay. all right. Go. Oh, Tyler, if you really want it, you can have it. <laughs> I don't think he really wants it. All right, then I'll take it. Um, Britain, I agree with everything you said. Uh, in terms of a best thing, I will point to my favorite sequence of the film, which is uh, Shrek's nightmare, where he's just imagining trying to take care of little ogre babies, and they end up like overflowing through all the windows and doorways and it's just it's it's portrayed like a a horror sequence and it felt kind of like the uh the faux dream sequence in toy story 2 where woody's been thrown Mm -hmm. away and all the like Mm. the the remaining toy parts are like dragging him down into the trash can um that felt kind of inventive and i liked that i felt like the uh, Fiona being pregnant and Shrek kind of contemplating being a father. I felt like that was the only really interesting plot point that the movie had and, yeah. and stuck to. Yeah. And stuck to uh, everything else just feels Britain to your point. It feels very by the numbers. It feels very like we, Oh, it's the obligatory Shrek sequel. What were you expecting? Um, but that, despite them not really doing a whole lot with that, it did feel like, okay, you got you got a movie there in terms of kind of evolving this character past, you know, where we got him. You know, it, it does feel like a natural evolution um, in terms of him and his relationship with Fiona. It also kind of hurts the movie that him and Fiona don't have a whole lot of screen time together. Um, but I think that that sequence overall did the most effective job conveying any sort of, like, character stuff. <laughs> um everything else just kind of fell flat for me um and that's my worst thing the plot is lame and uninspired um 
I could see the thinking that making Prince Charming the antagonist would be a good idea just because that seems like a natural follow-through from the second film. Yeah, um, I, I like that idea. I think ultimately it just it, it doesn't do anything new with it. And it, it just I, – I don't know what the solution would have been. I, I probably would have just recommended to go with an entirely different antagonist because um, I don't think they do a whole lot with either Prince Charming – or the fact that he kind of unites all the villains and kind of has them all attack. Um, I don't think any of that really works. And yeah, I was just kind of disappointed by it. And the funny thing is I remember seeing this in the theater back in 2007. And I think I was like part of like a birthday party or something, you know, we all, Oh, we're going to see the Shrek three. It's out. Um, This is one of the first times where I remember distinctly being disappointed by a movie in in the theater (laughs) and being like oh this is something doesn't feel right about this versus the other ones that i have seen Uh, and you leaned over to the birthday kid and said you did a bad job on your birthday (laughs) no i leaned over to the kid's mom and said you did a bad job (laughs) on your kid's birthday (laughs) we could have seen michael clayton Yeah, Spider-Man Three. <laughs> I I I seriously remember sitting and and we reached the um, the funeral scene for Fiona's father, and it starts playing "Live and Let Die" out of nowhere, and it makes absolutely no sense. And I remember being like, "Something has gone horribly wrong," and I can't I can't put my finger on it. Yeah, that um, scene is very weird. Yeah, I I would say this movie is terrible, but I think I I feel safe in calling it bad. <clears throat> Tyler. <laughs> um yeah. I might say it's terrible. Um my worst thing is that the plot does not have a central conceit. Mm. Um which is a thing that happens sometimes with movies and usually if it's a good movie it'll have different it'll have a lot of spinning plates and those plates will come together. That's that's a weird that metaphor doesn't work when I talk about the ending. Those put pl- they'll they'll end up throwing all the plates onto one big stack and it's yeah. a big finale and it's like oh that worked perfectly. Um Yeah, this it, so we've got the premise of Fiona being pregnant. Also her father passes away, so there needs to be an heir to the kingdom, which is could potentially be Shrek, but Shrek immediately is like no. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go find the other heir. Which brings us to the King Arthur thing. The King Arthur angle is just an angle that exists in the movie. And Arthur has some deal about, I guess you could say he's, he's getting confidence or he's, he's realizing that he has maybe parental issues. I don't know. It's, they they very half bakedly try to work that into the Shrek father plotline, and it doesn't really connect for the most part. It's just kind of its own thing that Arthur is just a character who's also going through some stuff. Um, and then the whole Prince Charming angle is not connected to any of that. It's just oh, we've got Prince Charming. He's an antagonist. He's out here. He comes in and does things. There there's so many setups for what should be the plot of one <laughs> shrek movie if we're looking at shrek one and two and and how shrek the core is okay we've got this ogre he goes and saves the princess instead of uh the charming knight and he falls in love with the princess and that's the plot of shrek one 
and then Shrek Two is okay. Now they're they're dealing with the in laws. They're they're trying to figure out how to well specifically Shrek is trying to figure out how to fit in with Fiona's world. That's that's the premise. Uh, this one I don't know what the angle is. I mean, the, the closest thing to it is Shrek becoming a father and him being worried about that. But there's so much other mess in there that also feels like it should be the the foundation of a you know more simple um not even simple but with the other two there's such a strong uh idea at the middle and with this one it feels like it needs to stick to one of those and have that be the big point and instead it works in a bunch of other stuff that does not connect in any way um merlin shows up like 70 percent of the way through this movie and he's a character and like you said Britain he turns uh donkey and puss in boots into each other and it's very strange and not very, used very effectively and just doesn't <laughs> help the movie at all do you remember um, when donkey became a horse in the last one here here you go right we did <laughs> here, here's it kind more... of again yeah um so that's my biggest thing that that's what really bothered me is that I was just so fascinated by the fact that the plot does not move because it's so busy pinging between these random bits and pieces instead of being something that can can be easily watched and followed along with. Yeah. Um, there's there's so many random details and, and just far too much uh, muddiness to the overall structure. Um, because especially I mean, it is it is a kid's movie. It's at least a family movie. Um, it, it should be something that immediately is striking and clear in terms of what it's trying to convey or the story is trying to tell. Um, <clears throat> it was fascinating to me and I did not like it. Uh, I don't know if I have a best thing. <laughs> um, I mean, probably like you said, Britain, the, the voice cast is, is, doing work yeah <laughs> they're trying at times <laughs> it's got an interesting and kind of weird mix um and we can i'm just gonna say that's my best thing and we can springboard off of that into more conversation um it's it's got a weird cast because it's got some random snl people <laughs> yeah um as as bit roles as bit parts uh and also justin timberlake voices arthur um yeah Chris, lancelot is somebody krasinski. Who is lancelot? john krasinski Yes. Uh yeah. Amy Poehler's in there. Um, Maya Rudolph, Amy Sedaris. Mm-hmm. Amy Sedaris. Yeah, I don't I mean I don't Eric know, like, Eric, <laughs> you, Eric Idle was Merlin and Tyler, you mentioned there being a, a Monty Python joke early on. I don't remember what you were talking about. What was the Monty Python reference? The the yeah, within thirty seconds the movie pulls out um a guy hitting coconuts together. Oh right, 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 right. To yeah. make mimic Prince Charming marching along. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is the Prince Charming angle. It, it feels so separate from anything else because, for one, can I say it feels like this movie goes back to taking place in the kingdom from the first movie and not far, far away. Yeah, like it feels like we're back in a big, bland, barren castle uh, that doesn't really look that much like the one from Shrek Two, hmm. and we don't see nearly as much, if any, of the jokes about brands and stuff like yeah. the whatever the starbucks parody was in yeah. trek 2 there was one or there all, were all a those... couple of them but i don't remember what they were okay. i just remember that they were there 
that it just feels like we shift away from that so hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, it's, that was weird to me. Yeah. It's really bizarre. I, um, I, when I realized that Arthur was going to be a big part of this, so I'm a big King Arthur nut. Like that character Mm -hmm. means a lot to me. And, you know, he's, there's, he's, he's like Batman at this point. There's so many versions of Arthur. Like, I'm not really going to get upset at a version I don't like unless they really do something crazy with him. And so I wasn't thrilled with the idea of Timberlake playing him because my (laughs) Arthur would never. But I think that, uh, it just, they, they neither created a version of this character that I love that I really enjoyed, nor was it one that I found offensive. So he's just a very bland version of that character, which is almost worse <laughs> that I was like, oh, I get it. His name's Arthur. And that's kind of it. Like, but they there's call a him, joke or two. They call him Artie Britton. You didn't? Yeah. You yeah. Fall, from like Glee. And you, I you, you didn't <laughs> fall head over heels for that. <laughs> I mean, it just I do love. I, I, the modernizing of it. Um, I actually, Tyler, you mentioned this. There is a, a pretty good joke where Shrek inexplicably decides to talk in what he thinks is teen slang mm-hmm. to uh, uh, Arthur, and Arthur runs away saying, "Help! There's a monster trying to relate to me." I mean, chased by a monster mm-hmm. trying to relate to me, mm-hmm. and that was that was a good joke. Um, and also, to Alex, you mentioned the the live and let die. That scene is so bizarre because apart from that. It is a very serious scene. Yeah. Everything is yes. gray. All the characters are genuinely mourning. There aren't any, no one says anything silly. There aren't any jokes. You just have the Budweiser frog singing Live and Let Die. It was such a weird juxtaposition that I, I didn't know what the movie wanted me to feel at that point. Yeah. And it follows his death scene, which is any emotion from that is sapped by the fact that they have him fake die like four times. Deadpool Although 2 th- totally stole their thunder, and by that I mean <laughs> yeah. they already stole their own thunder because they drove the joke into the ground. <laughs> yeah. How did you... Speaking of stolen thunder, um, <laughs> I have figured out why Alex doesn't like Thor Ragnarok, and that is because in this movie, Snow White sings to summon a bunch of animals and then starts doing the vocalizing from Immigrant Song to make them attack. And Immigrant Song, of course, was used... Uh, in Thor Ragnarok and Alex probably so, saw I mean yeah, I, I assume you guys saw it together now Tyler when the, that when, when Immigrant Song started playing in Thor Ragnarok did Alex stand up in his seat and point at the screen and say you stole that from Shrek 2 3 you stole that from so, Shrek 3 I want to talk about this because I was very confused it plays a different song after that it does, I, I, I think wrong? it does it, no it immediately cuts to Barracuda Barracuda yes. yeah 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 I I don't get it. <laughs> What's happening in this film? Uh, 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 Robert Plant was like, you can do the vocals. You can't use any of the rest of it, Shrek 3. They read the script. Yeah, like, no. exactly. Exactly. No, sorry. Yeah, it was Jimmy Page pursed his lips in a, neg- in a frowny way. And <laughs> they were like, yeah, that, that was, was strange. Because I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, are they really? Hang on. <laughs> also, Rapunzel betrays them for no reason. That, yeah. And then it turns out um, her long hair is a wig. It's, it's stupid. Stupid jokes. Well, I this is interesting to me because, uh, and Alex, you were talking about on the last episode how they got away from some of the, the, the barbs at Disney um, yeah. in Shrek 2 versus Shrek 1. Yeah. 
this feels very safe to me because they don't make any of the Disney princesses who had a movie at the time. That's true. Be the one who betrays them. Yeah. They make it. Oh, that's it's the odd one out. They're the one that betrays them. And I guess dies in a tower at the end. Um, yeah, maybe we don't. See we'll talk again. about that. Uh, but that was interesting to me. And then, of course, Tangled came out three, three or four years later. Um, so now. Yeah. That's that feels different, but anyway, it was much like X Men Origins Wolverine. She stole the show and all the online community at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, all those AOL message boards were lighting up about Rapunzel, and they were like, "We, we got to make a Rapunzel movie. <laughs> we should let, let's hire that YouTuber that made Rapunzel look so good uh, to animate it." Mm-hmm. It's a Star Wars reference to modern day. Um, <laughs> why does the ugly stepsister, who's voiced by Larry King, Join with the princesses? Because I needed something. <laughs> that confused me because Prince Charming shows up at the Poison Apple and tells all the villains, Hey, what if what if we just like went what yeah. if we just went and took 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 over the kingdom? Have you thought of that, guys? Guys, g- g- what if we tried that? We tried doing a little stampede, we'll just run it, we'll yeah. just beat some people up and we'll take over take it over. We'll turn a place into a Hooters. because <laughs> uh, that that's wild. a good kid's joke that's not gonna be you know, because bootery was something that makes sense. And not like <laughs> I'm just imagining all the the <laughs> the writers' room for this movie, like all the lead animators and the director and and the producers, and everything. They're sitting around. They're like, "All right, guys, this time we need to make sure that Britain likes this slightly better than Tyler <laughs> and Alex. What do we do? Well, we can't make it too obvious that that's what we're doing. So the Regis character cannot be the one that goes with the princesses, <laughs> all right? Larry King. I think we can afford that. If we get him in for a half a day, I think we're good. We just puts down the like Broadway playbills he had. Well, I guess it, it's not as much of a gimmick as I thought. <laughs> I guess we're not narrow casting, huh? I, I learned all that Anna Kendrick trivia for nothing. I watched Rocket um, Science and what did it get me? If they spent the whole movie with the Regis character trying to hunt down this long-forgotten restaurant all over far, far away, then we'd be in business. <laughs> we'd have a movie. Now that's the Shrek the Third I want. Correct. Love him on our um, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, Prince Charming shows up, and they're like, no, we, we don't like her anymore. And also, we don't like you. And that's just, yeah. that's just where that... And... <laughs> The thing is that the movie starts with Charming in front of a background. They're doing a joke about, I talked about the clopping the coconuts yeah. together to make, or, or clapping the co- coconuts together to make horses clopping. Um, they're doing a redo of the o- opening to Shrek 2. And that's supposed to be, it's supposed to be like they're aware that this is a, that we're playing on this. Because then Shrek shows up and everybody, uh, like fake Shrek shows up and everybody boos Prince Charming and, and thinks that he's, you know, lame or whatever, and everybody likes Shrek more. Um, that's supposed to be the gag, and that's the opening to this movie, so it makes you think, okay, Charming is going to have a really big role and is going to... the movie. Somehow the movie's going to play on the past movies really well. Uh, but then it's it's actually... there. There's four or five scenes with Charming scattered throughout that are big chunks, but the, they're just you know, big pieces that are like, this is the stuff with charming and everything else is completely unrelated. Even though at the end of the movie, they do a fake play sort of, uh, where it's supposed to be charming, killing him and they're at the tower and they rebuild the tower. It's so weird and not thought through and not focused. It feels like 
the the outline that was going to be used for the first draft uh or or maybe the brainstorming yeah. page the the brainstorming whiteboard <laughs> when they were putting it together before they'd written anything i don't know yeah it's really odd yeah i i i thought that whole ending was was strange because re- during the play within a play where the good guys are all facing off against charming and they pull down the tower that Rapunzel was in and it crashes. So maybe she died. They do a fake out where like uh, uh, charming stabs Shrek, but it turns out Shrek just caught the blade between his, his rib and his arm. But the whole rest of that sequence, I just kept thinking, what if Shrek died? What if, what if (laughs) guys, what if he died in this one though? Like, what if the movie ended with Shrek dead? What if, what if it was part one of the Infinity War and Endgame <laughs> of the Shrek universe? Shrek just dusts away. It's all ogre now. All it says at the end credits is Prince Charming will return. <laughs> I am Shrek. <laughs> um. Yeah, structurally, Shrek 3 makes uh, just works is a little tighter than uh, Shrek Forever After. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Also, these movies, I realized, are all about Shrek and not wanting to commit to the next stage of a relationship. Yeah, that is one thing that I wanted to ask if he was completely backtracking uh, in this one yeah. versus his arc in, in the cycle. And, and not just him, also Fiona. Like, I feel like we got to a place in the second film where Shrek and Fiona were comfortable living in far, far away with her parents. And Shrek had kind of made peace with that. He's like, all right, I'm going to compromise because this is what you really want. And then in the next film, they're like, no, we're just going to go back to the swamp and and whatever. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it makes even less sense because, you know, all of Shrek's arguments about the ogreism and everything. No one in this movie talks about him being an ogre except for him. Yeah, like nobody, mm-hmm. and I understand it's been something. It's it's all his life, and I even acceptance is not going to erase a lifetime of feeling ostracized. I I, I do get that, um, but it still feels in a movie this thin, where the last two movies have been about Shrek becoming accepted and then learning to accept that he has been accepted, and learning like the first movie is about him finding acceptance and the second movie is about him going oh she does actually accept me and i can trust that she loves me like <clears throat> after those two things for him to be like no nope, still doesn't still doesn't work it it doesn't seem like the layered version of that which is i'm trying really hard to believe it but it's so deep in me it's hard to trust that i'm going to continue to be accepted because it's just habitual and that is a real comment you can make about racism or whatever instead it just feels like the movie like you said forgot and just decided to retread it like it 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 feels like they're almost trying to set up a joke where donkey just walks in and says well how many dance parties do you want to have in this city before they accept you (laughs) or you know so because yeah it just feels really really half-baked and i i was i was just a little bit confused by that when shrek seems so focused on oh we're going back to the swamp i am not going to be king it, yeah. And Fiona doesn't fight him on it at all. Yeah. It's like, oh, uh, I guess the second movie's just out the window. <laughs> well, yeah, because... <clears throat> Go ahead. And it goes back to them having the Arthur angle and the inheritance angle and the father, King, Fiona's father dying. Yeah. Um. Again, all of that is very not tied into 
Shrek being worried about becoming a parent. And so that's that's the core premise that would make sense as an evolution is, okay, Shrek is going to become a, a dad. He's scared about this. Let's let's mind that. Let's mind that for content. Let's make a movie about his worries there, and somehow we'll we'll pull that along. Maybe we we rope Arthur in and um, make it even more about him Shrek being a father figure to him, and that being like there there's no other part of the movie other than the stuff that is specifically literally about Shrek becoming a parent. That is about Shrek becoming a parent. Yeah. Uh, not having the other storylines tie into that and instead yeah going back to this thing of now shrek's wanting to go back to the swamp as well as these other new fears and anxieties he's got going on i don't know it's really it's really odd how they're trying to have like three different character arcs for shrek in this movie i i wanted this this reminds me i was watching the movie i wanted to ask you tyler as as the only one in our number who has himself faced impending fatherhood um because Alex won't acknowledge his children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You discovered kidding. my secret. Why do you think I'm in a crocodile sub <laughs> right next to the Titanic? <laughs> Alimony can't get me under. <laughs> totally a joke. Totally. A joke. Look, in terms of not wanting to face reality, I think I've set a new record. <laughs> That's true. No, um, no, such is not the case. Alex uh, is not is not an heir do well um, in that way. That but we know no, of. No, no. <laughs> um, but you, you, you have have yourself been in a position similar to Shrek. Did you connect with this movie at all in that way? Because I, I do imagine that after friend of the podcast and your wife Alex, other Alex was saying, you know, we're going to have a child. That you were like, when was the last time you heard the phrase as loving as a podcaster, as nurturing as a <laughs> podcaster? We're just not cut out. I can't, we can't have, and then you had a dream where like there were a thousand podcasters, just Joe Rogan's and Roman Mars's tumbling through your house. Oh, you took that in a very different direction. Ah, There's so many Phoebe judges. What to do? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's why you didn't like it because the movie held up a mirror to you. Yeah. (laughs) Tyler's review, Shrek the third. It was too real. Too too close to home, for sure. I imagine the entire time Alex is just looking side eyeing you, going, "Look familiar." <laughs> <laughs> but she's being mean and just talking about Shrek. Saying I look like Shrek. <laughs> no, she was saying that before the the plot point that Fiona <laughs> right, was right. <laughs> just the moment, <laughs> the moment, moment the movie starts. Well, you were wearing your little Shrek ear antenna headband. That's true. Thing. That's true. Um, and you were also cap, eating yeah, a hot okay. dog with your Shrek ketchup or mustard or whatever was the product <laughs> at the time. It was ketchup, Which I have yeah. painstakingly saved. <laughs> and I only bring it out when I watch Shrek movies. <laughs> Baby, it's ketchup night. <laughs> it tastes like battery acid. <laughs> uh, it's all for Shrek. Do it all for Shrek, you know? Um, there's another joke I liked in this movie. Uh, Guinevere is just the, it's like the whole idea is they go to find Artie is like a high school and there are some like one-off gags in there <clears> that are all right. And one of them is Guinevere like, Hey, um, my friend over there wanted me to know, yea, verily, if wouldst thou attend the, thy ball with her, like all this mm-hmm. faux Shakespearean talk. And I was like, that's kind of funny. Cause it was well delivered. I looked up the actress. She's not yeah. someone I'm, I'm familiar with, 
but it was well delivered. And I was like, all right, yeah, all right, who, good joke. Who was the actress? Because I thought I remembered recognizing her when I I'm saw I'm not her. sure. I don't know if it was like a. I could be wrong. I mean, an animator who. Because you voiced a couple of characters. I'm um, honestly not. I, I do like that gag, but I kind of yeah. feel like they could have done a bit more with it. Sure. Um, one, like, no one else in that school talks like that. Well, that's that's what I was. I'm, I'm wondering, like, almost if you did, like, a reverse, like, generational thing where it's like all of our adult characters talk like contemporary yeah humans but then you go to the the younger the next generation and they're all like oh we don't like we don't like the, the anyone over 30 don't trust them and they're all, but they're all speaking with like these kind of more classical medieval yeah like ways. Renfair stuff yeah yeah hey i don't know. Well met my lords etc Artie probably would have gotten annoying, even more annoying than he already was if he, if he had to do that. But I don't know that yeah. that was a that was a thought I had when uh, when she had that joke. Um, <clears throat> this does to me lead into my next major complaint with the movie, which is that every joke gets ruined outside of maybe one or two. Um, they they go up to the to Arthur's boarding school, I guess. And the sign is Worcestershire, yeah. and they pronounce it, and I'm like, "That's funny. That's a good. That's a good gag. That that this, you know, it's a funny play on British words sounding funny." But then they have to talk it out, and Donkey is like, "Like the sauce, Wor- Worcestershire, like the sauce." It's yeah. like, no, that that was the gag that you already did. You don't. <laughs> you're just explaining it now. <laughs> um, and this- then another one that. Mm-hmm. I was just gonna say that almost feels like a studio note of like kids aren't gonna yeah. get that literally spell it out. Yeah. Um there is another one that made me made me mad because there is a early on in the movie there's a montage of Shrek trying trying to do kingly things. Um he he potentially kills a man while trying to knight him. Right. Or right. at least uh <laughs> greatly injures his his shoulder tendons. <laughs> um and does some other gags and there's one where he is leaning against a boat he's supposed to smash the the wine bottle on the boat he's leaning against it and he accidentally pushes it into the water and he so he's like oh you know i gotta do the ceremony so he throws the wine bottle and it it blows a hole in the the back of the boat and then the (laughs) boat immediately catches on fire it's a really funny like the timing is great i was like oh that was good that was a laugh out loud joke and then later in the movie Shrek is talking to Arthur and he's like, just make sure you don't put a hole in the boat when you throw it, when you hit it with the wine bottle. Yeah. I've, I've learned from that. I did that wrong. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that was a funny sight gag. That was just tucked away in the middle of that montage. And it was great. Yeah. Do not try to call back your own joke without playing on it. I do want to say that these movies excel with their opening montages. Mm-hmm. I think they're, those are all consistently clever and, and really, really fun and do a good job of setting up the status quo mm-hmm. in spite of everything else wrong with this movie. Yeah, I liked no, that. I <laughs> Movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd forgotten that he brings up the, the bottle joke a second time. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I, <laughs> I, I, I found it incredibly frustrating because... You know, not only do we have this, like, obligatory plot with all these these kind of disparate elements that don't really come together, we also have to throw on the really generic, like, it doesn't help when you have plot points like Shrek lies to Arthur about 
not wanting to be king for some reason, just so we can set up the moment where Arthur goes, I'm walking away. Right, oh no, right. the all all hope is lost moment, just for him to swoop in at the end and have a speech, and it all sucked. Yeah. <laughs> Why does Shrek lie to him? Genuinely could not tell you. Like, I, I, I think it's because they first well, had that conversation, because it, it's the scene where he's telling Artie, oh, you're going to be king, and it's in front of the whole uh, school um, in that auditorium after he's just been wedgied. <laughs> um, but he's like, oh, yeah, you're going to be king. And he's like, really, me? And he's like, yeah, nobody else was in line. Or, like, the way that comes up is really, really forced. And yeah, I yeah. feel like right as they walk outside, he's like, all right, I didn't want to embarrass you, but I'm technically supposed to be king, and I'm not doing it. But, like, it... The way that's built up, it just seems yeah, so so yeah. forced. Yeah, and especially because uh, yeah, I don't know. It all uh, it's it's just these like exaggerated, falsified stakes that don't really. Mm-hmm. And we do have sense. kind of the miscommunication issues that do breed conflict in the last couple of movies, and we yeah. talked about those. But I feel like those like they had a point, other than we got to reach the ninety minute mark. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Well, they don't feel yeah. as pushed. Yeah, yeah, they feel a little more organic, somewhat. Um, yeah. Also, uh, the, the gingerbread guys are back. Pinocchio, they're all here again. Remind me, what puts uh, the gingerbread man in his little trance where he's just like singing to himself? I thought oh, that was oh, he's funny. about to he's about to be killed, and so he like flashes back throughout his life. Yeah, and it even shows was... like Farquaad <laughs> torturing yeah. him, which I was yeah. like, oh, we're referencing a previous movie. All right, good job. <laughs> But I, I I just thought that was a weird gag where he's just kind of singing to himself. I was very confused. I was very confused as well, but I'm like, you got to laugh out of me. I don't know. And then yeah. uh, right after that, they have Pinocchio. Uh, they're they're trying to get answers out of him. And Pinocchio is doing the thing where he's he's bouncing before th- back and forth between negatives. So he's like, I don't not definitely. I'm not saying I never knew the location of Shrek. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is like again a gag that goes on way too long and then it ends with just one of the pigs saying where shrek is yeah and that was a weird like the the the, the thing was pinocchio was doing was working yeah like he was he was successfully not getting put under a lie detector test by his nose yeah i don't know and then just to have weird. one of the pigs break who i frequently forget are in these movies like right why just to set up a scene where captain hook and some of the trees attack them which the trees are kind of freaky looking, I will say. Trees yeah. are kind of scary. Yeah. And Captain Hook was Ian McShane, so you know. Yeah. Credit where it's due. Yeah, and that's a very like slapsticky fight. They're like, again, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, the humor like it for it worked for me in spots, and like I said, the opening sequence, the montage I really, really liked. But it just feels like we've even more so than the second film, which was one of my, my problems with it. It felt like, yeah, all the um, satirical elements, the the kind of rougher-edged humor, so to speak, was just, like, completely sucked out, and it's just, like, by the numbers, just generic kid fodder in terms yeah. of jokes. And I, I don't know if I quite feel like the references were not as much of a problem as they were in the second one, but I don't know. That... that I just don't like this style of humor. <laughs> sure. Mm. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. I want to talk about the animation a second because maybe not so much sort of the animation, but I think I'm also thinking like the art direction and kind of the, mm. the designs of some of the characters. Um, I feel like sometimes this movie goes into into a bit of an uncanny valley esque <laughs> territory and or just you know overall horrifying. Um, there's first I noticed it right away with Shrek and Fiona that they're almost too realistic. Uh, y- you get some really good details on the, of their, their wrinkles and skin and yeah. like, uh, I don't know. It's a little much, <laughs> the, the hairs on their, on their face and such. It, it's a little too detailed for the characters being so cartoony yeah. in the first one, especially. I think the second one was a great sweet spot. As I talked about how in Shrek one, the in Shrek one in Shrek, the uh, animation had it wasn't quite there. Like the budget wasn't quite there for them to really bring it to life. Um, but the character designs are really strong and, and obviously iconic because people still recognize them very easily today. Um, and, but in Shrek two, I think they hit the sweet spot. And in this one, I think they've outpaced themselves to where they're trying to make it too. I, I don't think you can do what you did, and I'll be curious to see how I feel about Shrek Forever After, given the statement I'm about to make. I don't know if you can do to Shrek what both Pixar and, I would say, DreamWorks have done recently in terms of... Actually, I don't know what DreamWorks has done recently. What what are the recent movies? Uh, how to are Train they? Your Dragon? Kung Fu Oh, yeah, Panda. yeah, there we go. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. How to Train Your Dragon, that's a great example. I don't know if you can do what... You know, DreamWorks did it with How to Train Your Dragon, what Pixar has been doing, what Disney Animation in general has been doing, and making this really gorgeous, rich, um, not photorealistic, it's usually very stylistic still, yeah. but making this this animation that just looks great um, and pretty and, and vibrant. I don't know if you can really do that with Shrek. I feel like you can still <laughs> leave Shrek a little bit fuzzy and a little bit... Yeah. Uh, we don't need to see that fuzz. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I feel like even just the nature of what Shrek is, and I mean, maybe this is just like we're we're desensitizing it, and we're just slowly just like making it more of just it's a family corporate product. Um, mm-hmm. But I I I almost like the rough around the edges uh, animation. I actually feel like that fits the theme sure. a lot better. Yeah. yeah, a more like more like amateur Shrek. um i like my shrek with a little dirt on him a little little grime (laughs) little mud little mud bath yeah yeah gritty shrek these movies Um, will not show you shrek's business correct they keep that's they keep being like oh no 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 that's a direct direct quote from the press statement dreamworks put out once britain uh <laughs> You're right. harassing them their social media about why <laughs> <laughs> yeah shrek I, movies will not be showing shrek's business anytime soon he's he's, yep, he's trying to not and he keeps private messaging at andrew adamson being like all right i want to talk about narnia but also but also and he just sends back yeah. one response I have not been involved with Shrek since Shrek Two. Leave me alone. <laughs> then I uh, yeah. Then I invented 4chan. So <laughs> the, the rest of the statement is: uh, We will not be showing you Shrek's business in Shrek films anytime soon, at least until the original audience has grown enough to be ready for 
Uh, the R-rated live-action Shrek film directed by Zack Snyder. I knew it! <laughs> we gotta wait until 100 years after William Stieg's death, and then he'll, Shrek will be in the public domain. Are we calling we can it, do whatever we want. Are we calling the movie Shrekker Punch? I don't hate that at all. Or Donkey Punch. <laughs> <laughs> I like Shrekker Punch a lot, actually. And the whole time you're like, these characters are really sexualized, and I feel like I'm supposed to feel guilty for how I feel about Shrek in this movie, but is it? A, but are they making fun of me for it, or like? Why, why is Shrek in a corset? What's going on? Here? Oh, I get it. There's a white rabbit. Donkey v Puss in Boots. Uh, <laughs> Dawn of Shrek. <laughs> no, Dawn really, of All I, Stars. There we go. Oh, okay, but I really do love okay. the end where uh, Sh- uh, Donkey and Puss in Boots sing "Love Is the Drug." <laughs> that is pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> um animation though yeah right <laughs> the other things i was gonna say the donkey dragon shrek not donkey dragon shrek <laughs> the world's not ready for that the donkey dragon babies uh, yeah yeah they look terrifying yeah. and um th- their eyes it, the hair yeah. it's all wrong it's all yeah no well and also why, and why y- would you enter this into the world and, and yet they do nothing with them right. like I frequently forget Donkey has a family. Like, it's so... They never use Dragon. They never use the babies, which might be a mercy. But it still feels so... It's such a weird thing. Does it come up in conversation in terms of Donkey going, Hey, Shrek, I've had kids. You want to ask me how I raised them? I think he says something about it, but I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, there's a that. little bit okay. of him. Not 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 in a way that would really make sense for the movie. Yeah. But. yeah. Um, this is the kind of also, part where you add in Puss in Boots being like, yeah, I've got kids. <laughs> you just sure. haven't met them. <laughs> yes, um, I love them. They're my whole world. I see them every the, Christmas and only the Christmas. Other I, the other thing I wanted to mention was, yeah, when they all get together for the, the Jellicle Ball. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention <laughs> was... That was yeah. very good. It's also just a ball. <laughs> when uh donkey at one point i don't even remember the context for this but he gets wet oh they fall on the the ship yeah sinks for yeah some, I, they wreck the ship oh yeah um and it he looks really weird in that they, no, they I, don't animate the wet donkey very well i felt the same way wet donkey was weird <laughs> alex say um, wet donkey so all three of us have to know this yeah wet donkey isn't that a weird thing to hear you to feel yourself <laughs> say <laughs> There are it's many like God, weird God things created that two I've, different I felt things that only they're supposed the to go together. That was fun to say over each other. <laughs> I'm glad we were both able to like. N- neither of us stopped. We kept no. going. No. I don't know what's happening. Um, <laughs> not uh, yeah. So I thought the animation was bad in places, yeah. and that's I'm I'm sure again that is not due to a lack of effort on the people who made it just, you know d- direction maybe things uh, as we've discussed i feel like the movie itself is a bit of a mess just didn't, yeah. didn't quite come together as as everyone might have wanted it to or or it was just the the, the top brass at dreamworks or wherever well, was, was i did pushing it out the door i did want to ask about the andrew adamson of it all because yeah he did he Obviously, he co-directed the first two movies, so there are other people that he was actively working with on those. But he did, he's got a story credit for this, but he didn't actually write the screenplay. So I, the, the conspiracy theory I have in my head is just like, 
he he's finishing truck two. He's exhausted, but he's like, I'm about to go do Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I'm so excited. This is going to be great. And the, the executives are like, um, do you look at the look at the box office project? We're making another Shrek movie, okay? Give us a plot. And he's just like, uh-huh. Shrek's going to be a dad. And then he just leaves. Right. <laughs> I, I I figured the same thing, but he's like on the phone, like, t- like while he's trying to tell all the Minotaurs where to stand. <laughs> what? I don't know. He's a dad. And then- <laughs> he's, he's literally staging the, the charge scene at the end. Yeah, of the- <laughs> yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah um but it it does make me wonder because it's very clear to me just based on the first two shrek movies and both of his narnia movies he he i think does a very good job of injecting heart and character into his films um particularly when it comes to to children's films which uh, uh, based on this movie is apparently hard to do um sure so i i do wonder if like Cause I don't want to say just like, oh, he's not there. That's why it's bad. But I do right. wonder how much of a contributing factor that is. I also, when I was looking, because I was also curious about this, I believe none of the screenwriters overlap. Like there were some screenwriters on the yeah. first two who were all kind of mixed together. Sure. Um, and this one is entirely a different set of people. Yeah, what is... I do wonder because th- this one does have the three-year gap that they had between the first two, so I don't, I don't know. Um, Andrew Adamson was the visual effects supervisor for Batman and Robin and Batman Forever. So, I did, I, I did just see that. No. Yeah. No. What has he been? That works. What has he been doing? I'm looking. I'm looking at his, I at his like, yeah, stuff that he's been doing. Apparently, he's. Set to direct a Curious George movie, but that was announced in 2016, so... Yeah, I mean, the most recent thing he directed was a Cirque du Soleil thing. It's fascinating. Maybe he's just right in that Shrek money. <laughs> in which case, more power to him. I would... <laughs> be, like, about a boy, only instead of being having written a popular song, I made Shrek. About a Shrek? Yeah, about a Shrek. The sequel to <laughs> Shrekker Punch. Sorry, Nicholas Holt. I can't help you with the bullies. I've got to... I don't know. Be a playboy? I haven't seen that movie in a long time. A play... Sh- Shrek. Um, Shrek boy. Shrek boy. <laughs> yeah, we've all had a Shrek boy phase, right? Come on. Shrek boy <laughs> and lava girl? Hey, yes. there you go. <laughs> Someone I was texting somebody about this movie is one of my friends and, and they they responded with Shark Three, and I was like, "How do you not talk about Shrek enough that your phone didn't autocorrect it? <laughs> what is what is wrong with you?" Sorry, new phone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a stupid movie. <laughs> I love how we 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 brought you down to our level. <laughs> yeah, I really and I don't know if it. I don't. I, I don't think it was that I went into it being like this is gonna be the worst thing ever, and then it wasn't, so I enjoyed it more. Yeah. Or if it was just like in the moment, I was like, ah, this is fine, whatever, and then later it just all disappeared, and what stayed didn't really hang together. Yeah. So nah. it is. Um, it is interesting seeing kind of what movies I've flipped flopped on in terms of like stuff that I, I feel like I'm relatively invested in, like you know X Men Apocalypse or or Spectre or something like that and then yeah. it's like no my my uh my 12 year old self was right Shrek the 3rd <laughs> was bad nailed it 
Um, my my last upset upsetness, the last thing that this movie did to make me sad, um, is that Shrek does not decapitate Prince Charming. <laughs> um, it's right there. It feels yeah. like it's ready to go. Prince Charming murders multiple uh Shrek stand-ins. There was a good a good gag where we- weirdly dark gag where uh he he kills a guy while he's I think on the phone. Um, and he's practicing for the play, and, and he slices through a Shrek stand-in's stomach. Oh, right. The guy falls over, and they drag him off, and they they send out another one, and he kills that guy, too. And then at the end of the scene, he, he walks over and talks to the guy, and he's like, what are you doing? Get up! we we got to keep practicing. Like, it's good. It's good yeah. random side gag. Um, the, the, the scene, though, I think, it, it's just set up perfectly. Shrek, Shrek, Shrek should just cut his head off. Yeah. I have no further elaboration on that. He needs to cut his um, head off into a portal with, oh, I don't know, Rumpelstiltskin <laughs> there. Yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. in this movie, and I assume we'll have a different design in the next movie. Yes, design and also, I think, is voiced by the director of this movie in the next movie. Huh. Wait, uh, is he in this movie? I yeah. did not catch that. He has like and a, I, and he like a one-off thing in uh, the Poison Apple. Yeah. Um. But I was I I was jokingly thinking this, and I was like, well, they they're not actually gonna kill Prince Charming in this scene, but man, you you know me, you know I love a good decapitation. Yeah. Um, you should do it. And then they kill him with a tower. They knock the big play tower over with Rapunzel still in it. Right. Well, it's like and Jamie. And, they, oh my God, it's like Jamie and Cersei. <laughs> it's like Jamie and Cersei. Uh, and I guess they both die that's just kind of where we leave off with that i guess we'll find out if that's answered in shrek forever after um but yeah i was i was like why not why 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 kill him with a tower if you're gonna kill him anyway let shrek get his comeuppance yeah off with his head shrek is 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 the cold steel of justice (laughs) <laughs> he's an avenging angel. He's he's like he, the year just, is twenty sixty seven. Shrek humanity has been riddled by apocalyptic war. Shrek is a serial Their killer. Their only hope is Shrek. Shrek is a serial killer who kills other serial killers. His name is Shrekster. You guys are pitching Shrekker Punch right now. Like this is it. Yeah. Is this there's a lot of like pausing and like fading out of Donkey and Fiona talking here like just focuses on Shrek. I wonder what he did. I'll have to find him. My dark passenger demands it. <laughs> I'll be your dark passenger, Shrek. Not now, donkey. Donkey. Oh, boy. Ready to rate this thing? Sure. Sure. I think I'm going to go. Hold on. Oh, go oh ahead. hold on. Go. I'm going to stop our grades because who cares and say I'm looking up the director for Shrek Forever After the director is Mike Mitchell, who also directed Sky High. Oh, wow. We might be working with something. We might be cooking with fire. Uh, <laughs> I'm just saying. So I'm, I'm hoping things will be uh, better. Some of his other films are less promising, but don't worry about that. <laughs> Continue with your grade. Alex, what are you giving it? Um... I think I'll be slightly nicer to the movie than I had planned when I was walking into this. I'll give it a D plus. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't like super angry at the movie or anything like that. I was more just yeah. 
I was more just frustrated because, yeah, Britain, like everything you said at, at the beginning is absolutely right. Like, it feels like the obligatory Shrek sequel that you are not going to remember 30 yeah. minutes after you've watched it. And it just doesn't feel like it's got a whole lot of inspiration to it aside from Shrek's going to be a father. We're not going to do anything with that. How does a 90 minute movie have like 10 different subplots yeah. <laughs> and they don't converge at all? Um yeah, I, I think it's a, a steep decline. And, I, you know, I, I do think I, I preferred the first one over the second one. But I, I do feel like so far this franchise, like each movie is going to just drop in. And the, but this one yeah. is especially steep for me. So I'm giving it a D plus. I'm going to go C minus. No, D plus, D plus, D plus. Yeah. <laughs> OK, can't quite can't quite stay with that. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm going to go D minus. Okay. And I don't really know why it's not an F. Mm. Other than just like. Hey, man, you sunk a boat. That's funny. I guess it's. Yeah, there's a couple of gags that, that are fine. That was genuinely funny. Like, good. that got a good laugh out of me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it, it wasn't worth it. It, was, it wasn't enough to make the movie enjoyable, but there were bits here and there that worked. The characters are still mostly the same characters, so, I mean, there's some... It's fun to see them again, I guess. I don't know. Sure. I'll be generous. It's fine. <laughs> well, I'm glad then, that because I know Alex has four or five things to recommend. Uh, we'll um, say four and a half. Four and a half. <laughs> um, so... Here's what I think we should do. Is it is it the four and a half episodes of the Queen's Gambit that you watched? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the those episode I, I watched that like four months ago. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> should, should, Alex will recommend something. I'll recommend it. Alex Tyler, Alex Alex. <laughs> I have I I don't think I have anything to recommend. So go go for it. Are we okay. gonna do this Follow again? Your dreams. Tyler, you can take one of mine yeah. if you would like. <laughs> Uh, you can phone a okay. I'll take I'll take the first three episodes of Queen's Gambit. <laughs> cool. You you can phone a friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, that actually uh, then I'll just hop in and do mine because I have two to follow up on and one to ha- like, and then I have a very qualified recommendation. Uh, just to follow up on my recommendations from last week, I have finished the Queen's Gambit and uh, Pen Fifteen, and I like them both quite a bit. Queen's Gambit I think is really impressive. Uh, Scott Frank finds a lot of ways to direct it very cleverly and creatively and depict the chess matches very differently each time uh, that I think is, is a really impressive way to tell what could otherwise be a fairly staid, almost straightforward story. Um, also shout out to Harry Melling who has grown into a wonderful actor and gives a really beautiful performance. I really, really, really liked him in this. And pen 15 is like my new TV discovery. I totally love it. I think it's so wonderful. Um, the one caveat I will add to what I said last week is that the second season gets really serious. Like it, it's still funny, but it gets, it's really starts digging into like one of the characters, parents is getting divorced and like that feels really bad. And it does such a good job of depicting why it's so hard to be a teenager, specifically like a well a preteen, a preteen girl. And like, it's, it's really good. And I was never like, held off from the show. I was never like, what are you doing? I don't want this. I was, it, it felt like the natural progression of like the first season is we're sh- realistically showing how funny and silly this can be. And some of it's really exaggerated. And the second season is we're showing you how difficult it can be. Um, I think it was only half of the second season that's been released. I think the rest is coming out next month. 
and so I'll, I will be there. Um, but I just, I think it's so good and just so funny and touching and moving and sweet. And the kids on that show, the actual kids are so good and everyone is really wonderful. So I just, I, I have been proselytizing it all over the place to people, but I have now added the caveat of, Hey, season two gets real, real. So steal yourselves, or at least I had to, um, my qualified recommendation <laughs> is so I, this movie also involves a swamp and the number three. Uh, and I am, rec- I am recommending the 1998 erotic thriller, wild things. <laughs> um, this movie is of course, uh, famous or perhaps infamous for people among my generation, uh, for the sex scene between Matt Dillon, Denise Richards and Nev Campbell. Um, it's also really, it's a makeout foreplay scene. They don't actually have sex in it. Just saying. Um, there's actually an episode of Pen15 that like revolved around this movie. And so I was like, I think I'm just going to watch this movie. <laughs> um, it's I'm recommending it as kind of a good bad. It, it never hits the like delirium of a double dragon or DOA dead or alive or the room or anything like that. But like it's it's this. So like Matt Dillon plays a teacher. No, he's a guidance counselor. He's a guidance counselor. But he also does sailing because it takes place in Florida. Mm-hmm. But everyone mm-hmm. in the movie talks like they're from either, the, either from New York or the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And then Denise Richards and Nev Campbell accuse him of sexual assault. And so he gets his lawyer, Bill Murray, <laughs> to... Mm-hmm. I know, it's, it is it is bizarre whenever Bill Murray is in this movie because he's actually, credit where it's due, he has some really funny, some genuinely funny parts in it. But it's so weird that he's in this, like, sleazy swamp sex movie. I was going to ask, is he playing it serious or is he trying Mm -hmm. to get laughs? He's going for laughs. Like, he has gags in it um, that are, I think, are more or less funny. Um, But everything else is just, like, lingering camera and, like, soft jazz. Like, the whole movie is, like, a soap opera crossed with a soft core sex movie crossed with a bee noir. Um which is fine. And I was I was like, okay, so we're kind of meandering along through this twisty kind of soap opera plot. All right, I get it. Kevin Bacon is is a cop going after him. Okay, I get it. But then like the denouement, like the third act of this movie, it just starts getting crazy and then just keeps ratcheting everything. I won't even say ratcheting it up, but just getting weird and weird. And my jaw kept dropping. Like, are we, you're, we're still doing this? It's just wild. You get to see Kevin's bacon, and it's just a really um, interesting. Oh no, it's not an interesting movie. <laughs> it's it's a really uh, odd movie that I think is entertaining as a good bad. Bill Murray has some funny parts in it. I feel as as someone who was well, I guess I was almost around nine or ten when when it came out. This movie's always kind of been in the back of my head as like, oh, this is the thing that you find on like late at night on TNT or something. And you like turn the volume down real low. I I personally never did that. But that was the type of movie this was. So now as an adult, I was like, I think it's time. (laughs) I think I'm going to watch Wild Things. And it was kind of entertaining. So, yeah. um, And there's a really, if nothing else will sell you, perhaps it is this exchange where the principal says, Sam, uh... Kelly Van Ryan accused you of rape. And he says, I know Jimbo told me. (laughs) So that was when I decided I think I was going to recommend this on the podcast. 
So if Shrek 3 didn't work for you, try out Wild Things. I can't wait for Bo Burnham to release his new hit song about watching Wild Things while his parents were asleep when he was like 12 years old. (laughs) Oh, man, I bet he would. All right, Alex, let's do this. Um, so I am continuing my campaign of marching through my queue list on uh, HBO Max in order to get to Netflix. <laughs> and the White House. And the White House. Uh-huh. Really, I mean, that's everyone's campaign. Um, <laughs> but your campaign specifically is the only campaign slogan in Look, uh, I'm not to have the presidential campaign slogan, make. <laughs> Look, I'm not saying that Detective Pikachu is literally the last stop on my list. <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> we have to talk about it on the podcast. Look, I'm just saying everyone go to the polls. Uh, so <laughs> starting off, uh, I watched, uh, once again, it's a wide variety of movies. I guess they're all dramas on the serious side. So we'll we'll start there. Um, first one is Cold Mountain, mm. uh, which is a Civil War drama uh, with uh, Jude Law and Renee Zellweger. And Nicole Kidman and a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of people <laughs> like the, yeah, people sad. just show up for like single sequences. I'm like, where did you come from? <laughs> Natalie Portman's in there for a scene. Philip Seymour Hoffman's there for a scene. Brendan yeah. Gleeson's there. <laughs> Jack White is there. <laughs> I was like, what is happening? Yeah, it's wild. Um, I mean, the movie's not wild, but the cast is wild. It is a wild movie. Uh <laughs> Tyler, I think I might recommend that to you just because it it is based on a book, but it felt very novel like in terms of hmm. it, it it almost felt like it's it's this epic odyssey of this man trying to get back to to this woman that he loves and it's very episodic in nature. It it felt like a book. Um and also there, Jude Law's beard is pretty powerful. It is Ooh. it is the most powerful thing you'll That's ever see sell. in your life. Um there is an <laughs> there's an opening sequence that's like this civil war battle that's like one of the most intense harrowing things I've seen. Just like the visual of it, like it's very very uh, memorable and horrifying. Uh, I was slightly disappointed by the ending in so much as I kind of called it with 20 minutes left. I was like, I think I know how this is gonna end, and it feels very like Oscar bait, like. The, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed. I think the it. North is going to win this one. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing. I like how the Civil War is literally just the backdrop. That's not right. what it's about. Yeah. It's just that's the setting, and we can have a lot of interesting situations there that, like, runaway slaves show up um, kind of throughout the piece. Like, I really like how it just kind of uses that as a backdrop and, like, explores that world a bit, but, like, through a different context other than... No, the whole movie's about we're building up to this big epic battle between the two. It's not about that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I did like it quite a bit. Um, so I definitely all these movies I'd recommend. But that was the first one. Uh, next up is Gone Baby Gone. Uh, oh, ben, yeah. Ben Affleck's directorial debut. Um, uh, Casey Affleck's personal life aside, um, he's very good in the movie. Um, Michelle Moynihan's good in the movie. Uh, Ed Harris. Oh, um, Ed Harris is great. fantastic in the movie. Um yeah. And I can't remember the actress's name. It's it's Holly from the Oh, Amy Office. Ryan. Yes, Amy Ryan. And oh, she is also wonderful. in The Wire for several seasons. And she's really good yeah. in that, too. Um, if you like Ben Affleck's other work, you'll like this. And it's it's a very, very good kind of detective mystery suspense thriller. Uh, 
It's interesting because there have been times when I watch mysteries, I feel like the number of twists that you have in a mystery can like make or break you. And this one, it felt like it had that that sweet spot. It was like right at like the the proper number of twists to feel satisfying at the end. Um, Like wild things, (laughs) like wild things. (laughs) Um, But I, I really appreciated how it's 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 got a good balance between like being a character study for Casey Affleck's character and being a detective mystery. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely liked it. And like I said, if you like Ben Affleck, <laughs> if you like Ben Affleck directed movies, like yeah. this, this felt very much in the vein of the town. So, and that, that is one of my favorite movies. Uh, then I watched a Britain recommendation, Antoine Fisher. Um, yeah, it's quite good. Everyone's amazing yeah. in it. And, uh, oh, Derek Luke is so good in that. There is specifically a scene where the main character is embraced by a large group of people. I won't Ugh. give any more context than that. Like I was I was tearing up at that point and it was it was weird because watching the first half of the movie I was going, "Yeah, I'm not like 100% hooked. It's good, but I'm not I'm not quite there." Then the last act kicks in and I was like, "Oh, that was like <laughs> that was the the kick in the pants that I needed." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Strong recommendation there. Oh, yay. Yeah. Well, then I watched Eyes Wide Shut <laughs> 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 because I, I guess this week, uh, Britain, both of us had to hit weird ero- erotic thrillers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The stars aligned. Although we're going in completely opposite ends in terms <laughs> of artistic merit, I guess. Yes. <laughs> yes. Wild Things is up here. I just want to show it slightly lower. Yeah. Tyler uh, watched Basic Instinct. <laughs> sure. Uh, These are all movie movie names that, man, I'm just really familiar with. Like, they're just... I just watched Shannon. I'm like, I remember that movie name. <laughs> that's that's all I'm thinking right now. But yeah, I just watched Shut. Stanley Kubrick's last film. Uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman are both amazing in it. And it's it's a very weird movie. You know, the story aside... Um, just because of it, this was in the middle of their relationship and just kind of in retrospect with them having, you know, been divorced and all the, the fallout with Scientology and everything. Like, it's just a a very interesting movie to watch through that lens. And it's one of those movies where I'm not a hundred percent sure what to make of it or like thematically, like, I, I feel like there's a lot of room for interpretation and I'm not quite sure like if I'm mentally pulling all the pieces together in a cohesive way, but it's just like really weird and interesting and it's very well made. And it does feel like the erotic aspects of it. Uh, it feels like they're there for a purpose. Cause that's what the movie's about. Um, it's kind of just about the, the weird relationship between men and women. Um, and it's, it's very, very fascinating. And, I was thinking back to like the movies that Tom Cruise was making around this time. And this is like, I think it's like a year or two before vanilla sky. And like, I guess he's just very interested in like dreams and like very kind of out there type stories at the, at this time in his career. And then he decided, I'm just going to stick with action movies. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I just watch it. I think it's very good. Um, Of the Kubrick movies I've seen, it's probably my favorite. Mm. Um, as everyone knows, I don't like 2001 very much. I, I really like half a full metal jacket. The other half is fine. Um, 
The Shining, while well made, didn't do anything for me. Um, so yeah, I think this is probably my favorite of, of his that I've seen. Um, and then the the half that I will add on to this, and this is not because the movie is bad. Uh, it's because I just didn't finish it. Uh, American History X. Oh wow! Like I said, I'm jump jumping all over the place yeah. here. Um, like that was pretty horny. I need some neo Nazis to balance this out. <laughs> I, I need some Ed cool. Norton shirtless with a swastika tattoo. That's yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> gotta balance my electrolytes here a little bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if in case anyone's been living under a rock and doesn't know what American History X is, basically, uh, Ed Norton is a former neo-Nazi who comes back home and realizes that his uh, brother has been fully indoctrinated and he's just trying to grapple with that. And it shows flashbacks to how he got into prison in the first place. Um, Edward Furlong of Terminator 2 fame plays the younger brother and he's actually really good in it as well. Um, it's it's kind of. Are you implying that he wasn't really good in Terminator? <laughs> That's exactly what I'm implying. Um, it and is he interesting. teaches Arnold how to do the Heil Hitler thing. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting though, seeing him like as an older actor, and I know he had like substance abuse problems, and like he was away from acting for a while. But I, I do feel bad that he wasn't in any other Terminator movies because I feel mm-hmm. like he actually could have been really really good uh, as an older John Fate. Cotter. He was in Dark Fate. He was in it. I saw him. I saw his face. He was in Dark Fate. <laughs> I saw his face. He was there. Saw it. The, the, and now you're a believer. The footage. <laughs> the footage didn't lie to me. Uh. Um, but yeah, I'm only halfway through it, but it is quite good. And uh, Ed Norton, I know he's a bit of a control freak, and there's like disputes between him and the director on this film in terms of just how much creative control each of them has. Um but it is it's very 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 strong and uh yeah yeah bunch of good movies that i'm watching <laughs> yeah i haven't i haven't seen a bunch of those that's pretty cool i also want to quickly add before i forget that wild things does feature briefly uh smash mouth's cover of why can't we be friends um so that's great <laughs> the, why did you not lead with that now we I know, have to I watch it for the podcast the, the connections to shrek are becoming stronger. it's 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 a little weird i definitely don't think matt Dillon in that movie wants to be a father um, but he wants to be a believer <laughs> he wants everyone else to be not or does he Ooh, you'll have to watch to find out um yeah movies i'm on a tv kick what can i say Tyler, Alex, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned The Shining, which means uh, I, I I can't believe I've never recommended my favorite movie on this podcast before, which is Ready Player One. So that's going to be my recommendation. <laughs> that's exactly where I thought you were going with that. <laughs> <laughs> I I felt the need to mention that just because as you were you were mentioning Stanley Kubrick, and I was just thinking about it, and I was like, was there a scene in Ready Player One? where they went into the manor from The Shining and jumped around on stuff and did a video game inside of The Shining. And did I did that happen or did I make it up? Because I was pretty sure I did not make it up. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a movie. Yeah. Anyway. I mean, <laughs> now we can do The Shining, Ready Player One, and Doctor Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. Cool. No, we we'll we'll include it as part of the overall uh, 
Stephen King series that we'll do. Mm. Uh, we'll, we'll, that will do for an entire year of this podcast. Yeah. It's just Stephen King adaptations. Just talking about Rose Red Ready for Player three One. weeks. Mm-hmm. That is so much crap. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know bit. I've subjected you guys to a lot, <laughs> but that is so much crap. Well, maybe we can take a look at the list and see if we can make it a little thinner. Because that was a movie with the, with the, with the thinner... Remember that one from the movie? No. Oh, guys, come on. Uh, we'll get <laughs> Tyler, to watch like nine versions of Carrie. That'll be fun. Yeah, Tyler, like, you're legally required to know every single Stephen King adaptation there is. That 76 Carrie is pretty great. Sure. The end. <laughs> <laughs> and they should have stopped there. Um. <laughs> yeah. We're going to talk about Shrek Forever After next week. We sure after are. After talking about all those real movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and also Ready Player One. <laughs> um, and also Wild Things. And also Wild It's Wild not Things. really a movie. It is. But. And also the shows that you talked about, which are not movies. Right. And all, we actually talked a lot of, about a lot of things that aren't real We really movies. did. We really covered the gamut here today. And also the other half of American History X. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HCTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, we're on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, all that good stuff. Um, I would like to say, Britton, as I was saying that you were nodding your head as if you were listening to, like, a, a music, uh, product or in a music production studio listening to somebody, <laughs> uh, testing out a new track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. All right. Yep. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like this. Oh, well. good, good. It, it stinks. Um, no, it's quite good. Also, uh, I would like to uh, thank friend of the podcast Neil yes. for sending us a dank Shrek meme. Did he then? <laughs> All right, thanks, Neil. We, we can't share the memes because this is a auditory medium, right? It's also a family um, podcast. It is a family podcast. Yeah. Most Shrek memes are not family friendly, as we have learned. However, the Shrek meme inbox remains open. We will give you a shout out on the podcast. I sure will. You just send us that Shrek meme. It doesn't need to be anything else. I don't think up to this point we, we received two emails with <clears throat> Shrek memes, and I don't believe either have contained any text. I think they are just <laughs> JPEGs of Shrek memes. That's so please JPEGs. continue send those in and that doesn't that's that's not limited to while we're doing shrek no no You're always no. yeah the the shrek meme hotline will remain open indefinitely three years Good from name. now when we're doing all of bruce willis's directed video <laughs> filmography <laughs> we will still be accepting shrek memes yes <laughs> they will be the, our only source of joy this week it's <laughs> surrogates and shrek as a Christian? <laughs> anyway. Good move, Neil. No, that, that's what the Shrek movies were missing. They didn't have enough Christ imagery. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why Snyder is going to do the remake. Exactly. I just don't know, Donkey. How am I going to baptize all these babies? Look, we have set the precedent that Snyder has directed an animated film. Mm-hmm. A 3D mm-hmm. anime. I, we, it's all it, there. Way, one day. We're going to do that movie one day. <laughs> That's Tyler's dream. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a joke. <laughs> no, I, I. are you kidding me? I, I would love to do that movie on the podcast. 
We can't say its name because it's like Macbeth. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> Before Tyler can force us to watch it right here and right now, I've been Alex. <gasps> hey, I've been Britain. I've been Tyler. And you're having a Shrek night. <laughs>